Hey gang, welcome to episode 57 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from a uh, rather warm Los Angeles, California. I know, I know, it's LA, it's supposed to be warm, but if you hear a fan, that's the reason why. Today on the show, Avi Asulin, one of the creators and the choreographer of Ephemera, a dance theater piece, an immersive dance piece, I mean, it's, it's no pro, of course it's immersive, dance theater piece uh, that just wrapped up a small run in New York. It's not not completely going away, and that's why she's on the show here today. She's going to be talking with our man Zay Amsbury in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Zay, who's also in L.A. right now, uh, although I don't get to see him while he's here because he's too busy. <clears throat> um, that's just, we, we tried, but it, it's not working out. Um, more on that show in a second, but first, let's talk about another friend of ours. Let's talk about our friends at Drafty. Uh once again, this month, the podcast and the newsletters are brought to you by Drafty. Uh, they're, they're, they're our real friends, like we've said about a thousand times before. What is Drafty, you wonder? Well, Drafty is a computer-aided design program built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projecting design are all supported at prices that strike fear into the hearts of the big CAD programs. Find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. And, oh, and if you want to hire me to write your ad copy for your podcast, hey, I'll, I'll do that too, because I wrote that. I'm actually kind of proud of it. That's why I, I don't change it. Um, hey, uh, a lot of you listen because you want the news and notes, and you're like, well, you were gone for a week. What were we supposed to see? Well, you're supposed to go out and see uh, a bunch of stuff, so uh, you can't like always expect me to be here every week even when I really want to. I was in Cleveland, which, um, for a very large event, which work sent me to go cover, uh, and, you know, help the team cover that large, very large event. Uh, I was there, uh, during, uh, the part that probably everybody saw. Um, I'm being, I'm talking around it because we we all, we all know what I'm talking about. Uh, and this is not a politics show and I'm not going to foist my opinion one way or another on things. I mean, we're theater people. Uh, we're argumentative enough as it is. But I do want to talk to you about Cleveland. Cleveland is gorgeous. I did not expect that out of Cleveland. They have these beautiful arcades. And I don't mean video game arcades. I mean what an arcade used to be, like uh, a mall, uh, an interior mall, uh, but an arcade. It's got a big skylight. And there's one that's from like 1897, and there's it's like four or five stories inside and brass railings. I think there were brass anyway. Uh, just absolutely stunning uh, public square, which is like the heart of the the community, in, in the civic community in, in Cleveland. It just got an upgrade by the guy who designed the High Line, the High Line in New York, the ninth wonder of the world, uh, the thing I love about that city more than I love anything else, and I love a lot about New York. So uh, I, and I got stuck. I got stuck a whole extra day thanks to a certain airline's computer system going down, and I got to explore a little bit. And man, oh man, public art and big open spaces and these glorious arcades Oh, it's just screaming for immersive theater. It really is. So uh, let's all do something about that sooner rather than later. And now, the news and notes. In New York, 
where our episode generates from today. Uh, Ghost Card is going to be in Hudson River Park during the month of August. Speakeasy Dollhouse is continuing its run through the middle of the month. You want to check out the latest issue of the New York edition of the newsletter to get details on those shows and a bunch more that are happening. That's just like scratching the surface. In Chicago, Learning Curve, the Third Rail Project show, is now open. It's a hot ticket, so if you can get your hands on one, congratulations. Uh, the Missing is a uh, immersive piece. It's coming up in the Chicago Fringe. That's in September. Uh, later this month, though, August, let's call it this month, even though I'm recording this in July, uh, later this month in August, uh, there's a Room Escape conference that's happening in Chicago. So, And that's like an industry-wide conference, so... Um, that's going to be interesting. I'm sure there's uh, some some future guests of the show who will either go there or have lots of stuff to say about that. Hey, uh, let's talk about Los Angeles. Home sweet home. So glad to be home. Uh, the Johnny Cycle, the latest from the Speakeasy Society, that has opened. Uh, I saw it while I was jet lagged and really, really tired. Uh, so I'm going to go back in and see it again when I'm not dead on my feet uh, and nursing this this broken toe of mine, which which is broken, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that before. I don't know. Maybe. I think I broke it maybe after. Who knows? Got a broken toe, guys. It sucks. Particularly if you're into immersive theater. I mean, they do not go well together. Uh, anyway, uh, it's it's beautiful work, as always. Um, and it's a it's a step forward for the Speakeasy Society in a real way. And um, it's it tackles some, some tough material. So, you know, going back in, digging in some more. If you are in L.A. and you are interested in immersive theater in any way, shape, or form, if this is your bag, you need to see what the Speakeasy Society puts on. So grab yourself a ticket. They got a whole progressive uh, pay structure. So the, the sooner you see the show, the less you'll pay. So go do that. This is a perfect weekend to do that. If you're hearing this, you're probably listening to it on Saturday morning, and you're like, well, I gotta, I gotta, watch, I gotta go to the show. They were our last guests. Come on, get your tickets. Um, now, there's another show in town that's closing this weekend, and if you haven't seen it already, if you haven't seen The Day Shall Declare It, what is wrong with you? Um, It's been here. It's had a really long run. You've missed it? (sighs) You know, we try. We we do try. Um, Also this weekend, this is a busy weekend. This weekend is Midsummer Scream, which is uh, one of two spooky season conventions, which are going to be happening once this weekend, one's next weekend this one's happening in long beach uh it's got some pop-up stuff coming from folks like screenshot productions who are our friends who did shoshin uh who've been here on the show I, I'm, I'm sitting where we interviewed them so i can i can practically see them in front of me right now even though they've actually moved to san francisco um and and i i miss them um but they'll be back down they'll be back down ne- uh, this weekend and next weekend um at least nicholas will uh to do some stuff that ties into their fall haunt Next weekend, the center of the spooky season world moves to Pasadena for Scare LA, which uh, has the title of being the uh, the sort of original uh, summertime spooky season convention. Um, anyway, uh, John Schnitzer, who uh, has been on the show with Haunters, John's great guy, um, adored John. Uh, he's programming that show. Uh, we were looking at me hosting uh, some panels, but we just couldn't make the timing worked out um, between my work and doing this and other things. So that's my disappointment. Um, 
is that uh, I was not able to do that for you guys. Uh, sometimes they just don't work out. But again, there's there's material from screenshot. Uh, there's there's uh, a piece uh, Abel's doing uh, serial killer speed dating. I think I might be doing it both. Um, screenshots actually I'm gonna harp on, on what they're doing because I know that like some of some stuff's that scare and some stuff's that scream but what screenshot is doing that I like is they're doing different pieces of both so if you're completist you want to go to both um, and if you just go to one or the other hey they're gonna be there so and I know a lot of the spooky season folks are completists so congratulations you just get more San Francisco, let's talk about you. Uh, Wii players, Romeo and Juliet is just around the corner. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that and that it isn't actually here. You can check my work by checking out the latest issue of the San Francisco newsletter that Albert has ready to go. He's going to launch at you very soon. And uh, it's another barn burner. I mean, we might be able to do like more than one a month if, if, if we wanted to. Um, and it takes a lot out of us, so expect it's going to stay at, w- at one a month. I don't know why I said that. I'm free associating. I had a root canal today. My body's my body is not a wonderland. I, I'm going to let you know that. Um, well, this has become way too personal, way too fast, but it always does. Uh, let's end on a an, on a personal impersonal note, shall we? Um, I am helping the folks at Play Collaborative Arts. They've been on the show. They produced Retrograde and erotica uh, i'm helping them with their indiegogo campaign uh we've got this this big 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 goal of seventy five thousand dollars, and the campaign's been on for uh just about two weeks now and um we are we are not we have not met the goal yet I'll, i'll i'll put it that way here's the deal um we need you guys to jump in uh because What's interesting about, about this campaign, and if you know anything about Indiegogo, if you know anything about Kickstarter, um, you know that Kickstarter is all or nothing, and Indiegogo gives the option of what's called flexible funding, which means you, you keep everything you get, no matter what happens. And what the space is facing is it is facing uh, just the need to go legit. They've been doing performing arts on the underground side of things for a long time. They got shut down last year, uh, trying us a DIY space. Now it's all about the permits and the construction and, you know, getting an ADA accessible bathroom, which is an unalloyed good, getting a new egress, uh, you know, making sure all the ducks are in a row. Um, And this space is right next to where... Soho House is going in the Arts District. It's right down the street from the Ford Factory complex thing and Stumptown and Masked Chocolate and HD Buttercup and, you know, a short walk from where the Deschel Declare It uh, space currently is and will soon be, you know, picturesque rubble before it is picturesque live work lofts. Am I being cynical? Yes, I'm being cynical because... I want us to keep arts in the arts district here in LA. And to do that, we need your help. And we need your help in a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of campaigning to happen in in so many avenues in the next few years. And maybe we're already behind the curve. But one thing we can do, one thing we can do right now is we can toss five bucks at the Play Indiegogo campaign and we can help them get their word out there. We can help 
uh, cover the cost of, of hiring the expediter because when you're dealing with a city structure as complicated as Los Angeles, if you want to get something done uh, faster than 20 years from now, you got to hire an expediter. And the, the, the that process starts once they clear $5,000 on this $75,000 campaign. And the great thing about the way it's structured is if they clear just that much, boom, they actually get the money and they get to pursue other sources of income to, to do the rest of it. And given that they've been shut down for performance, it's not just as simple as putting on a show and raising the funds naturally. So that's why we've turned there. I just turned this whole thing into a pitch for the Indiegogo campaign. Yes, I'm working on the campaign. And as I mentioned before, no, I'm not making any money off of it. Search No Person Names Twitter or the Facebook for links to the campaign, or you can also go on Indiegogo. It's Play Collaborative Arts. The campaign is called Legitimize Play. And help some kids out. Um, it It's important that we keep arts in the arts district and they've been a home for immersive experimentation and I'd, I'd like that to stick around. All right, now, here we go. Here is what we're about to have. We've got on the show with Zay, we've got Avi Asuline, creator, co-creator and the choreographer of Ephemera an immersive dream ballet that uh, it builds itself as dancing, drinking, and debauchery. Took place at the Firefly Lounge at the Electrica, Electra Theater. Whew, English, fourth language. Um, the others are alien languages. Um, we're going to get into a conversation about dream ballets, Ananias Nin, crafting transitions in and out of performative moments, um, and uh, the, the hope for the future of the show. Um, since I know I didn't get to see it. I know some of you probably didn't get to see it. And this stuff kind of comes and goes. Uh, it is in itself often ephemeral, but this show is... Uh, Zay, Zay seemed to really dig on it, so uh, I hope I hope you like the conversation. Here we go. Hello, this is Zay Amsbury with No Proceeding Podcast, and I am in Soho in a really kind of lovely venue, actually. Um, with Avital Sulin, whose ephemera has just opened in New York City. It's a new immersive piece that involves um, narrative dance, yes? Um, so, Avi, Avi is what we call you, right? Definitely. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, think I, I saw you after the show right when, was it a cake you were being presented with? Yeah, my, one of my producers has this friend who makes fa- uh, fabulous fancy fondant cakes. And so, yes, we got a cake uh, for our opening, which was very sweet of her. And now I have these fabulous pictures of us all holding this cool cake. Which, oh, that's very good. That's great. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, about your background, about how you, um, how you got to the spot that you are right now. Oh, for sure. Um, I am very much a traditional musical theater gal who, like, loves the MGM movies and loves to tap dance, loves 42nd Street and Crazy for You and things that, uh, you know, are not so relevant to 2016, but fun, escapist, tap dancing, uh, theatery musicals. So that's sort of what I grew up loving and wanting to do, mm-hmm. and is what I've done for a while. I've done uh, a few seasons of the National Tour of A Christmas Story. I've done some great regional shows. I just did a production of Backwards in High Heels up in Westchester, all about Ginger Rogers, mm-hmm. and recently finished uh, playing a chorus girl in the first revival of the uh, Los 
Lost Marx Brothers musical off Broadway. So I was in. uh, Yeah, it was very, very fun. It's called All Say She Is, and we had a sold out run uh, all through June. So that was amazing. And uh, it's funny because as a performer, I feel very much like that's where I live and that's where I want to continue to live. But as a, a choreographer, I want to make work that is a little bit more relevant to today. Mm -hmm. I find that I still love all of that stuff and that's kind of where my passion lies. But at the same time, I want to make things that, that feel like they're happening now, Mm -hmm. not just like escapist fluffy period pieces. So that's kind of a little about where I came from. And can you tell me a little bit about, um, uh, choreography lab? Oh, for sure. Um, the Choreography Lab is something I've been doing now. We're almost at the end of our third season. It's part of the New York Theater Barn now, um, but it is something that I conceived myself. It's a way for choreographers to develop new work without, uh, you know, having to put on a whole show. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically aimed to work with choreographers, working with like composers and working on new shows. Okay. You oftentimes will see uh, musicals get 29-hour readings, maybe they're lightly staged readings, but the dance gets thrown aside. Yeah. And because of that, often the dance won't get developed into the story in a way that maybe would be beneficial for the entire project. Mm-hmm. If you work on a show for years and years, and then the first time the dance moments come in, are like three or four years into your project, then of course they're going to feel sort of superficial and feel like they're not necessary to the storytelling. But if the dance is worked on and is, and is developed and is part of the story you're trying to tell, Uh that's how you get musicals like, you know, a West side story or a chorus line. And I mean, that's how writers write stuff like that. And that's, that's stuff that people love. I mean, you don't want to only see dance kind of as like a little sprinkling on top. Um, it's, it's important. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where that came from and it's been going now for about three years. That's great. Well, this is a really good transition because, um, as ephemera is a dance piece Yeah. and I, I mean, I, I, I love dance. I mean, I'm, I'm basically a writer and I love seeing dance because I don't understand it. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. I don't understand how like movements and abstract movements can get across such incredibly specific narrative ideas, abstract ideas, feelings. I just, it, but it happens. And to me, it's like some weird form of magic and it gets me away from the language world, which can be very relaxing. Um, and ephemera, so ephemera, I can describe just, just sort of what it's like when you just go, go in. Go for right? it. I love that. So basically you're at a club. Like, you're at a club, you're at a bar with, like, a dance space, and there's music playing. Um, and one thing that uh, Michael Tara Garver, who is an immersive director who directed, uh, she was one of the people who worked on um, Sleep No More, and now she's with Woodshed Collective. And one of her big deals is that it's important to cast the audience so the audience knows what role they're playing. Um, and I felt that very clearly in this piece. I definitely felt like I was someone who was at a bar and just sort of looking around at other people. Um, and I, I was there by myself, so I was like the guy sitting alone at the bar, which that was fun. It happens, you <laughs> it know. Happens. Um, but tell me a little bit about where where this idea came from to sort of through narrative dance tell a story set at a bar with an audience, with audience members playing people who are at the bar. And by playing, I don't mean like... There's nothing 
you're not asked to do anything that might make you feel uncomfortable, I don't think. Like, you're not, you're not given lines, you're not, oh, I don't no. mean anything like no, that. No, no, I just mean, like, <laughs> you're at a bar, and then things happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's important to point out that um, one of the things we did in this round is, uh, if you have on Mardi Gras beads, you will be... Uh, a little bit more active in terms of who comes around to you. And if you do not wear your Mardi Gras beads, you will be um, a little bit more of a voyeur who isn't asked to participate. And I know that that's something that's important to people, that sometimes they're scared of immersive theater because Mm -hmm. they're scared of, like, Mm -hmm. what they might be asked to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think uh, having these different distinctions Mm -hmm. is is a nice quality that we've incorporated. Yeah, that was a really fascinating thing. I mean, of course, I spent my time thinking, why why is everyone not wearing Mardi Gras beads. <laughs> but it, it really was interesting because it gave you the ability to, um, it was sort of like the, the, the mask and sleep no more. Like you, mm-hmm. had, you, had, you could make the decision if you wanted to be a distance voyeur or not. Right. Um, I thought that was a really wonderful um, sort of low impact way of giving people that choice. They don't mm-hmm. have to say no to an actor. They don't have to like avert their gaze in some way. Right. They just, they're either wearing Mardi Gras beads or they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but just backtracking for a second, because mm-hmm. I know we were talking about the development of the piece. Yeah. Um, you know, like I was saying before, I love all of this old-fashioned stuff. I love a good dream ballet. I love mm-hmm. a good sequence that's just sort of all dance. Um, I love Slaughter on 10th Avenue, which... What's Slaughter on 10th Avenue? Slaughter on 10th Avenue is... Aside from being an awesome title. It's a piece of music. It is a ballet from the musical On Your Toes that takes place in a bar in 1936, I believe, is Slaughter on 10th Avenue Mm -hmm. in this musical that... um, you know, has been revived a few times, but it's a dream ballet that takes place sort of on the streets of New York and in a bar uh, by Richard Rogers when he was still writing with uh, Lorenz Hart. Mm-hmm. So it's this dream ballet that's a period piece from the 1930s. And I also stumbled across a few years ago some Anais Nin, which is, you know, she's a writer who mm-hmm. writes, uh, you know, she wrote a bunch of things, but she also wrote some pretty erotic stories. A little bit sexy. Yeah, a little bit sexy stories. And I started thinking, well, you know, it would be fun to make a dream ballet that was really sexy in a bar that was happening now that sort of incorporated all of the things that uh, I like to do, but also felt like it was happening right now Mm -hmm. in a bar with lots of people um, getting to kind of interact with them. And I think this happened... Around, you know, when all of this interactive stuff, I think, was was mm-hmm. brewing a little bit more. But we've been developing the piece now since, I think, the beginning of 2013. Okay. So it's been, a, it's been a journey for it, for sure. But that's kind of how it came about. It was a, a fusion of traditional dream ballets and wanting to see people get, get freaky in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't think it's... A, in, in the description, you talk about a love triangle. Uh-huh. Um, and there definitely is a lot of love triangle stuff going mm-hmm. on. And I wonder... Um, at what point did you land on that as sort of like the narrative spine of the piece? Or did it or did it sort of come naturally from the sorts of things that happen in a bar as people meet people and come in with people and find other people? You know, it's funny. I So I had all of these things brewing, these uh, ideas and influences and what the piece would be. And one day, I think I just sort of sat down and wrote a plot outline. And it was kind of... Uh, it's changed and it's tweaked a little bit, but it, it pretty much was just a, a lucky 
day <laughs> where I, I took all of these ingredients and I said, I think this is what this plot should be. And I wrote it all down and, uh, and I went back to it a few days later and I'm like, oh, this actually wasn't just like rambling. This actually is a plot that could work for this project. And then I got it uh, over to my composer and we started going from there. Um, one of the things that that really struck me with the piece was how um, I don't want to get too specific, but how um, new characters would come on stage and, and other characters you'd already met or seen or mm-hmm. met um, <laughs> would move off into the periphery. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of in the corner of the bar, and there okay. was a lot of stuff happening over there. Sure. And I would see stuff like I would see people say do something mm-hmm. that to me seemed like a secret. Yeah. And then later it would happen, like, in the center of the room, and that secret would be revealed to... Or that's sort of what it felt like to mm-hmm. And I wonder, as you were as you were developing it, like, how much of the, the dancers moving around the periphery of the room when they're not on stage is also choreographed, or is that improvisational for them? Um, I would say it's half and half. Okay. Um, you know, we, we definitely want to make sure that plot points are hit. One of the things that sometimes bothers me a little bit about immersive theater is sometimes it can get too immersive where mm-hmm. there are so many rooms and there are so many threads that you can explore that maybe you'll get lost like in yeah. some room and then the experience is over and then maybe the story doesn't get tied up for you or yes. it doesn't get, you know, and you're sort of like, well, I was just wandering and looking at these letters, and then this man ran by, and that's what I got from it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, that's not what I'm looking for for people. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that the center of the room, that, you know, when you were looking at the story, the story very much happened. Mm-hmm. But I told the, uh, the actors as we're kind of going, you know, feel as though you're in this space. Feel as though you can hit plot points again, mm-hmm. right? Like, if we've seen mm-hmm. it, it's okay. We can right. sort of see you hitting that plot point again. We can see you do a little cocaine out in the corner mm-hmm. and then maybe see it somewhere else yeah, or yeah. something like that. Um, because I think that's the way, like, it's good for everyone to get a base but then if other people see sort of other things, that's also part of the fun, too. When you go right. to these things, you can say, well, I got this little thing. And, uh, you know, your friend sitting in the other side can say, oh, well, I got this thing and not that. Yeah, and then you can talk about it yeah. afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of, the, one of the fun parts to me for immersive theater is, like, in a sense, it is experiencing only part of something. Because, like, I mean, to me, it's sort of like day-to-day it replicates something about life where like you never quite get someone else's complete story. Yeah, um, for sure. One of the things that really fascinated me about your piece were, were transitions. Okay. So there's when people get there uh-huh. and then things start uh-huh. and then there's sort of a break and then there's another thing. And the break is like kind of an intermission thing. You can get a drink and, the, and you interact with the actors. Um, and then at the or I'll say it like this. Um, <laughs> I love endings of immersive pieces because, in a sense, um, many immersive pieces talk about the venue that they're in, not like it's a venue. So, for example, for like Sleep No More, mm-hmm. they say it's the McKittrick Hotel. They say, look, the show's at the McKittrick Hotel. And I still know people who think that there's something called the McKittrick Hotel that exists on Club Row. It's a <laughs> set, right? It's a big, beautiful set. Right. And... And even when I, sometimes I speak with people in the venue, they keep calling it the name of the imagined space and not, <laughs> and not like, yeah, we'll meet you on the set or we'll meet you in the green 
room. It's something else. Uh-huh. And in a sense, the moment you believe that this place is real, the piece begins. Mm-hmm. And as long as that belief is there, it doesn't end. So oftentimes at the end of shows, when there's like applause or a curtain call, it feels weirdly violent to me. It feels like like the illusion is being broken in a way that I don't always like. Mm-hmm. And so, not that I don't like it, it just, it just feels odd, um, which I guess is fine. Um, but a lot of immersive pieces have a much softer ending where there isn't a curtain call, where there isn't a moment when the illusion falls away. Um, and your piece seemed to make that choice also to mm-hmm. the point where, like even in the middle when that transition point happened, um, I think I and a lot of other audience members weren't sure which, but, but, but to me, I really like that. Like, I, like, I like, I like there being, I like the audience having to understand and make choices and make uh, the decision to, okay, now I'm going to go to the bar because I think that's, I think that's right now. <laughs> um, but what went into transitions like that transitions into and out of the more performative moments? Yeah, it's interesting when, so this is our second version of Ephemera. We okay. did a workshop of it in 2014 mm-hmm. in a different venue with about half of the same cast. Um, I'm very pleased that of the seven people in the cast, four of them decided to return. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them are away on contract and one of them I just felt um, was maybe not quite right for the role. Sure. But the people participating in the show um, were very excited and very positive about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh so, so we had that. So some of the actors had that experience of doing it before. Some of them are new to this iteration. Um, in the previous version, we attempted to build a, da- a seamless dance party right through mm-hmm. into dance intermission. Yeah. That was not successful. <laughs> um, so it went, so so um, so seamless dance party right into the trend. So tell me what that. Sure. Is so in like. in my mind, uh-huh. uh, in a in a in a utopia version of ephemera, um, <laughs> the first act ends and the club music just starts, and then all of the people, you know, led by some of the cast members, just joyously jump to their feet and uh, start yes. dancing. Now. Um, we discovered that that is a reach. That yeah. is a reach. Um, yeah. You know, maybe maybe with a perfectly you know primed audience of bachelorette girls who have had the perfect amount of drinks, maybe <laughs> that would happen. But uh, we realized that the transition into intermission needed to have a bit more handling. And I mm-hmm. think even what the performance that you saw was actually our first full audience. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's possible we may have just a hair more handling into that. Mm-hmm. Not to feel that the audience. Um, is is you know told okay this is what you have right. to do now but just to make it feel a little more certain that yeah. okay it's time to maybe go and get another drink or interact with someone yeah. um, because I think what you're saying is so right that it's great for the audience to feel like they have agency in that mm-hmm. idea but I think you also don't want them to be too scared that like, right. oh, Absolutely. really, maybe this was so subtle that actually yeah. I'm standing up in the middle of a thing and someone's going to come and, you know, dance kick me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> dance kick in the face, ephemera part two. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because it, it seems like, um, like in these immersive pieces, there's, there's sort of like this wide range of the way audiences can move through the space. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's something like Sleep No More where it's like, hey, here's a mask, you're off the elevator, do whatever you want, don't talk. 
Um, <laughs> and then there's something like Then She Fell, where... Have you seen Then She Fell? I haven't. I've done Sleep No More, but not Then She Fell. So, so. so Then She Fell is much more on the rails. So there's a okay. small audience of 12 people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and from the moment it starts, you're guided. Sure. So Forma says, would you please come with me? Would you go in this room? Do you want to come with me and do this? So like, there's never a question as to where you are mm-hmm. or, or if you're in the right place or not. Because uh-huh. um, I know they have, they have 15, 15 in the audience, 12, right? Or right, something. And so, I mean, I imagine if you're saying you have these 15 people, it must be like when you track a musical, each of those audience members has a track, has exactly. like a court, has an ensemble track, like yep. a like a show. That's exactly yeah. how they do it. It depends, depends on where you sit. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but this piece, because it happens in one space, um, it reminds me a lot of, um, there's a piece that Michael Tara Garver did called, um, oh man, I know mm-hmm. it's a, it's a complicated title. I believe the title is, and now we are making a poem in praise of love or perhaps life. Anyhow, it's a lovely, lovely piece that takes place, um, it was, it was done in a school oh, on cool. the Lower East Side. Okay. And it was a circle of chairs, so it was sort of like theater in the round. Okay. And you, and the two performers were a husband and wife who lost their kid in a school shooting. Oh, no. And you were in an encounter group, like a group therapy thing. So your role was to be with these people as they went through there and talked about, talked through the difficulties they were having in reaction to this horrible event. And there were moments when, like, because there were two, there were more seats than there were people. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, performers would sit next to you while they were going through something, but you knew, you know, sort of what your role was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine, I imagine in in ephemera, like the the only times when things, the the only thing that slightly got in the way during the transition was when it, like, little brief moments where it seemed like. I wasn't in the bar anymore. Mm. It's like there are moments like that that, that, that happen a lot because it's really, really difficult to navigate when what you're saying is you're in this perfectly coherent imagined world. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to make it perfectly coherent all the time. You know? uh-huh. I mean, I've, I've, only, I've only been to sleep no more a couple times, but um, in both cases, I often, I find myself in, I always end up in that room. I'm in that room, I'm by myself, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I know that room you're talking yeah, about. No. I think there might be more than one. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think one thing that that um, that I really really appreciated, or one of the many things I appreciated, were the performers. Other performers mm-hmm. were really fantastic. Um, in because I always love looking at the side spaces, yeah. and they were always in it. You know, uh-huh. the entire time they were in it. And I wonder, did you um, did you? I mean, we spoke of this really briefly before we started recording, but did, so the actors, what were the conversations like about talking about interacting with audience members, about seeing that someone has the Mardi Gras beats and mm-hmm. so now you can interact with them? Yeah. They've given their consent. Um, <laughs> what were the, what were the conversations like around how to interact with the audience? Yeah, of course. We, um, we all came up, so some of the characters we think have more interactions than others, just like mm. introverts and extroverts and people at a bar. I mean, if you're yeah. at a bar and you meet someone and you're uh, busy kind of making out with them in the corner, you're not all of a sudden going to start interacting with the audience. And even yeah. though it might have, it might be uh, easier for me as a director to say, okay, now at this moment, we have as much audience interaction as possible. Mm. I think what's true to the 
thing is if, you know, if you're in the middle of making out with someone, you're going to just keep making out with someone. Right, right. Um, so right away, um, those kinds of conversations shaped what kind of interaction people would have. So it was based on character. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Great. I mean, the characters, one of the things that I think makes this show really uh, special and unique is the real specificity of character mm-hmm. in all of the seven that you meet. They... They have real lives yeah. <laughs> um, as much as, of course, they can. They mm-hmm. took over uh, uh, our Instagram for one day of the week uh, leading up to our last performance. Oh, and it's great. just very funny, you know, in our, in our program, they have kind of generic names uh, just as, as what they are mm-hmm. in the show. But they all have names that you don't ever know. <laughs> and uh, they have... Wait, wait, I was introduced to one of them by one of the other ones. I was introduced to Helena? Helen? Am Maybe. I making this up? I might be making this up. No, I think that's... It's possible. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do well, all have... Parts of people get fake names. I know, right? Yeah. Um, but they have names. They have jobs. They have reasons why they've moved to the city. The girls mm-hmm. know what colleges they went... I mean, they, yeah. have, they have real stories. They filled out um, little dating profiles as to who they were. Nice. Um, so we did that kind of for all of them as well. So that they really have specific, specific objectives. Yeah. Um, because I think that's the way, especially, you know, the people is primarily dance and you'll get to talk to people one-on-one but when the bulk of the storytelling is going on it's it's non-verbal and so we felt it was just very important that these characters had such specificity to them or else you you aren't able to follow really yeah yeah they were very clear and i think also um and this certainly isn't always true but i think also the the costume design i was very happy with oh that's Cause, great because they're, they're <laughs> so clear you know especially the three friends uh-huh because they're because they first come in and and you go through this or i can imagine going through this process of thinking of them being three friends or sort of boisterous and bubbly uh-huh. talking and then who they are and what they want and what their deal is sort of unfolds throughout the course of the evening in such specific ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really and it came through in their movements also, which was really fantastic. Yeah, we've we worked on that quite a bit. It's uh, it's definitely been a journey to make those three women different. And actually, those are the three women who are new to the piece. And so, oh, what was so interesting to me was. Uh, you know, when I built the piece back in 2014 for the first time, I mm. built it on three women and I started to develop it from there. But then when mm. I was casting it again, uh, and I got an amazing number of submissions for those three women. It was really quite crazy for, a, you know, a small little project like this. I figured I'd get a couple dozen. I got over a hundred submissions to play those Holy three women. Boy. I know. Um, wow. and it's New York City I, I know it is. Um, and I realized just how specific those women really were in my head, just uh-huh. exactly who they were and what they looked like, um, and that their quality of movement not only was was sort of specifically developed, but needed to be on a certain body type and needed right, like right. it just was so clear to me like what would best exemplify those women. So yeah, it's been a process of like you know chipping away and chipping mm-hmm. away, but. But yeah, we're we're very pleased with how they, I think, are executing right now. So I have a couple more questions, yeah. and and this next question, I think it, it comes really close to the question of like, what does it all mean, or was it what is it about? Which is not a question um, <laughs> I like to ask because I like I like it all to be sussed out by the audience. 
But I am very curious about the title ephemera. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, well, first of all, I wonder, are you aware there's a blog called ephemera, uh, ephemera New York? Right, that is just memorabilia. Exactly, yes. yeah. Very different. I just wanted you to know about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder, um, uh, what can you tell me about the title and how you arrived at it, if you want to talk about that? No, of course, of course. Um, you know, it's a few different things. And what's interesting about, I guess, is I'm not sure if uh, etymology, is that the right? Am yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, entomology uh, is bugs, etymology is... is... I didn't want to make that mistake. So, okay, <laughs> so we're, you know, we're talking it out. It's good. Um, you know, what's interesting is I like the two sort of versions of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy the evocativeness of physical ephemera, mm-hmm. of the noun, of things that remind you of uh, an evening, of a corsage, which has nothing to do with this particular piece, or of, uh, you know... Perhaps a, you know, a cigarette that's left from a night before or mm-hmm. something or like the little things that remind you of the events that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, because the etymology of the word, uh, people often think ephemera, which is the noun, is also ephemeral, which mm-hmm. is fleeting. Yeah. Um, and so people have, I think, regardless of which way you read into it, I mm-hmm. sort of like that there are things left over that might remind you of what you've experienced Mm -hmm. and I like that that is what represents this show Uh, maybe you'll be left with those Mardi Gras beads and then you will always remember Uh, and I like the the fleetingness of kind of the wordplay of of the other slightly different version of the word of ephemeral so that's kind of how that all happened I I think that's, that's, that's the central thing I really love about this piece is that I mean I'm like I'm not a big clubber or bar goer uh, even in my heyday my heyday was composed of <laughs> other types of adventures um, but there is a thing about having an evening where you where you meet a bunch of people you hadn't met before and you have experiences you don't often have and you're drunk or you're high or whatever mm-hmm. and and the next day when you're remembering it and yeah. thinking back to that experience it's not um like, our, our memories don't work in the same way that naturalistic storytelling works. Exactly. Our, our memory is, like, is expanded and contracted and layered and colored by thoughts and feelings and experiences and stuff. Um, and it almost felt like like living inside the memory of a night out, you know? Cool. That's what it should feel like. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Great. So my last my last question is what's so you have a run. Mm-hmm. Are there any are there is there anything beyond the horizon or is it just focused <laughs> on let's 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 get through this and have as many people come see it as possible? Yeah, right now we're in this little space uh, in you know around Times Square. We've got another four performances over the course of July. We are definitely interested in sort of seeing what the future might hold mm-hmm. for the piece. Um, at this moment, it's kind of about. Um, I think sort of just getting the piece out there, seeing kind of what kind of press we generate this go around, seeing what kind of interest we generate from maybe expanding our team a little bit to mm-hmm. include, you know, some people who might want to help us grow the project. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, we're, uh, we, we think that the piece really has the potential to, to have a, a sit down longer lasting life. So mm-hmm. we're going to do this sort of suss out a few of the final little things that need tweaking and see, um, there's always been an idea that ephemera could perhaps pop up. Um, and be something that pops up in various venues and Mm -hmm. is also kind of gigged out and sort of can, you know, arise in a corporate setting or arise in a, you know, a random bar in Brooklyn and then, you know, pick up and be in another bar. Because at its core, it's actually, it is site-specific dance theater where it's been set, obviously, around this one bar, but there's no reason why it couldn't be set in a different bar. It's not a so reliant on specific set pieces and yeah. specific, you know, having these certain things. Um, so there, there are sort of two options where maybe we do a longer run in a seated venue or maybe we really try to see how the show could kind of pop up and travel. So. I am very excited by that pop-up idea. Yeah. I, this, like, this, 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 I can, I mean, I'm very into, um, just being somewhere and then something happening. And you, <laughs> that's, those are all, it's a very general sentence I just said, but no, but I, I know what you mean. <laughs> but the notion of, of being, of being in an actual bar on an mm-hmm. actual evening. Um, and then this just erupting around you. Um, I, that, that there's a lot of friction to that idea for yeah. me. So I would, please, I would love to know if that ever happens. <laughs> if you do a secret pop-up, let me know on the secret. Okay. Yeah, no, of course. And, uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I just have one more thing to say that's yeah. just sort of gratuitous for me. One of the things I, I do love about the project is you get the experience of having a night out, but you still get to sit through most of it. <laughs> Sometimes, I know for me, as I've gotten a hair older, not uh-huh. not old, but... but <laughs> I know sometimes I like the idea of being out, but I also like the idea of relaxing. Yes. And I think there's a nice blend of sort of getting to sit back and relax and have the events unfold, but also getting to have the immersive stuff happen and having more physical interactive things happen if you choose. Yeah. So... I just wanted to put that little piece in there, too. Excellent. <laughs> well, um, I should say to, to our, our New York listeners, if you choose to see Ephemera, um, I, would, I, would, I would recommend getting the Mardi Gras beat. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, there's nothing to be afraid of. And it's a wonderful show, and I recommend it. Oh, thank you so much. And the website is ephemeranyc.com, and you can get tickets there. Excellent. We'll put all of that in the notes. I love that. Thank you so much, Abby. Oh, thank you so much, too. This was wonderful. All right, this is Zay Amsbury, No Persinium, New York, signing off. Take it over, Noah. All right, once again, want to thank Zay Amsbury, our man in New York, for hosting the show today. Want to thank Avi Asuline of Ephemera for gracing us with her presence. Um, hey, if you want to find Zay, he's at Zay Amsbury on Twitter. If you want to contact us, we're no, at No Persinium on Twitter. I'm at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter. Not that you want to subject yourself to that. Ugh, no, you don't. Um, you can email us, nopersinium. Dot, oh, you can, ugh, I'm messing this up. You can email us, no underscore persinium at outlook.com. And of course, you can find all these links at nopersinium.com, including the link to sign up for the newsletter in case you haven't done that. And if you're the person who listens to the podcast who doesn't get the newsletter you gotta explain to me how that one happened no i mean really do explain to me how that one happened um again need to thank our friends at drafty drafty drafty-app.com for being uh sponsors two months in a row lucas 
you believe in us. You really believe in us. Um, go check them out. Uh, if you're a designer, uh, if you know a designer, if you, you, you're thinking about getting into doing theatrical lighting or sound design, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot less intimidating when you have affordable tools. I will say that about everything. Hey, um, mentioned the play collaborative arts, Indiegogo campaign, uh, toss some money at that. If you are so inclined, if you're here in Los Angeles and you want to see a home for immersive theater and development of that kind of stuff in a collaborative space, that's a good place to throw that. If you're outside of Los Angeles, why not? Um, if you just really want to back the show, we're at patreon.com slash no proscenium. Uh, and I'm chill on that right now. If you're planning on doing that, oh, maybe maybe this month go over to the, to the play thing. Um, medium.com slash no dash proscenium is where we keep the reviews, including a recent take on the Johnny cycle. And I'm betting I'm going to have some more notes, maybe an update or maybe a full another piece, uh, when I go catch some more of what they're doing. Hey, uh, this was a 57th episode. Uh, I'm a little punchy. I'm still tired from being in Cleveland. I want to go back to Cleveland when there, there aren't security fencing and, uh, secret service agents everywhere. Um, cause, cause that's a trip and not when it's like 92 degrees. Cause you know, those two things carrying gear, no, not so much. Um, but those arcades, man, oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. I love nothing more than gorgeous architecture that, uh, can be crammed with bodies, which then do interesting things in. Well, that's a weird way to end the show, but um, hey, why not? Why not? It's been a weird time. Uh, we've got more coming up. We've got the next couple of shows sketched out. I think we're going to be A-OK for uh, this month. No more gaps for a moment. And if all else fails, uh, we'll pull something out of our hat. So until next time, and particularly if you're going to be in Glendale this weekend, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>